welcome to Ridgecrest Baptist. We thank you for listening. Now, here is this week's message. In jails and prisons, so I just, highways and hedges, I usually just shout to, as loud as I can shout and try to reach as many people as I can. It's, it's a pl- privilege before I get started. I'm an emotional man by nature. And so I'll cry throughout, but because it comes from within, I appreciate you being here. I've texted a lot of you guys, and I think you've all showed up, so I really do appreciate it. You mean a lot to me. You've meant a lot. God's used you a lot in my conversion. God's still using you, a lot of you now, and, and I invited some that I think he's going to use in the upcoming months. I really do. I, I, that's why I invited you. I was very specific about inviting people. I want to invite everybody to hear, hear what God's done for me. I've never shared my testimony here at my church. I've shared it in prisons and jails and incorporating about every week. I share it somewhere in, in a couple other places. I've got to share it and from Missouri all the way down, but uh, it's the first time I've got to do it here, and it's a privilege. And I, I really do, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you. Taking the time to come here. I really do. It means a lot to me. So I want to say that before I get going because I'll get going. I'll forget. Uh, you know, I, just, I appreciate you being here. So I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Let me pray and we'll get started. Father God, just thank you. This opportunity to talk about you and who you are and what you can do in a man's life. What you can do in a child's life. What you can do in someone's life, God. You can change it. I pray, God, as I've been begging you all week, God, manifest yourself tonight. Help us, God, just be with each soul here, God. You know what they need, God. You created them, God. You know what they need, God. But I lift this need up to you, God. Just be with us. We need you to manifest yourself tonight, God, that you be magnified and you be glorified, and that I would be removed, God, and you would just speak, God, through me what you've done for me. I ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'll get... God just radically changed my life. He started what I call, I really do, I share a lot of times, seven years ago is when I came to that point in my life where I call it, I call it the believe it or burn it segment of life. And a lot of people don't know my testimony, even you guys. I've shared it throughout and me and my wife was even sharing early. She said she's not heard all of it. She's heard bits and pieces of it. But seven years ago, I picked up a copy of God's word and I said, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to burn it. But I'm not going to go through the routines of coming through this door anymore. God, I need you. I need you. If you're God, then you ought to have some kind of impact in my life. And I ought not be struggling with the same things I struggled with since I was 12 and 13 years old that I'm still struggling with if you're my God. And I came to that believe it and burn it part of my life, and, and I really do. And I, I beg God all week, I, if, if you're sitting in a chair, and I don't say this for self-righteousness, I've prayed over this chair. I've come through here a couple times this week asking God to do something in your life for you. And that's what I want, God to do something for you, for you. And as I started reading God's Word, I, I, uh, uh, Randy and Rita's dad, Grover, and I don't know if he's here tonight, but uh, Randy would talk about, Randy Snyder uh, would talk about, about how Grover would get up, and I think he did too, but I just remember him saying, my dad would get up every morning, he'd read God's Word for an hour. So I said, God, if you're real, either I'm going to be done with this thing, religion, I'm done with it, God, I'm going to be done with it. So if you, ought to be, if, if you are who you say you are, then you ought to have some impact in my life, and I'm going to believe this thing, or I'm going to burn it, and I'm going to be done with it. I'll flush it down the toilet bowl piece by piece, but I'm done with it. I'm tired of playing games. I need help. 
And that's the point I came to in my life seven years ago. That's, that's the point I came to, and people didn't know that. They say, I, I didn't know you had those struggles in your life, those, those substance abuse. I didn't know that, Scott, and I, I kept it hid pretty good, but I, God had no impact in my life, so I picked up a copy of God's Word, and I started reading. I said, I'm going to take one year. I'm going to read God's Word for one year. I'm going to take one year of my life, and I'm going to get up at least one hour early, no matter how long, how long the day had been working or how long the night had been. I'm going to take, I'm going to take an hour out of this day, and I'm going to devote it to reading God's Word. And after this, in this year, if, God, if, if it don't have any impact, I'm just done with it. I've, I've tried this thing. Uh, I've tried to go to church, and I've tried to be a good dad. It's just having no impact. So I just started reading God's Word. I simply just started reading God's Word. And when I did that, I, I came in contact with words. I call them church words that I didn't really know what they meant at the time. Uh, I, I just started reading them. But as God would have it, that was that uh, the, the pastor shared about this morning, John uh, 6.44, and where Jesus said that no one, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them in. And I didn't know that, but that was, that was the John 6.44 moment in my life where God started drawing me in. I was in misery. I, I, was, I was hating the things I was doing. I was hating myself. I was just hating the things in my life. But that was God drawing me in. But I kept seeing this, this one phrase over and over again, in Christ. In Christ. And I kept reading this thing, in Christ. I, I read uh, uh, recently that, that Paul used that writing 81 times in the Bible, that word in Christ. And I didn't know what that meant. And I said, God, what does that mean? What does that mean to be in Christ? What does that mean? What does that mean to be in Christ? And I, I kept reading that, and, and I didn't really know, so I just I didn't know what to pray. I said, God, just show me. Just, just make this thing real to me. Make this thing real to me. Show me. And then I, I, God used the analogy, the last, the last illustration that he gave the uh, apostles before he went to the cross. And you guys all know these verses. I'm sure you do. But he was going through, he, he was going through this vineyard. And he said in John 15, he said that I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me or you live in me and I live in you, then you, 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 the same will bring forth much fruit without me. You can do nothing. You guys remember that, that verse. And I shut the Bible that morning and that, and I just focused on that. I said, I know what you're talking about, God. I know what you're talking about to be in Christ. I know what you mean to be in Christ. God was speaking to me. God spoke to me that morning. You're speaking about a relationship, God. You're speaking about a relationship that, that, that this branch is in this vine and this, this vine is, is, is putting this nutrition in this branch. It's bearing fruit. You're talking about two coming together as one. That's a relationship. That's what you're talking about. And that morning, God showed me something in my own life. And, and, and September the 20th, I better get this date right, but September the 20th, 2008, I stood right here. I think I was on this side. And my wife, Alicia, she stood on this side. And the two became one. We married right here. I was thinking about that day. We got married right here. And these two became one. But when we got married, I didn't go my separate way. I didn't say, I'll see you later. See you at Christmas. See you next year. We left together. And the two became one. Two that were separate, they became one. We entered into a relationship. And that's what God was speaking to me about this whole time. A relationship. A relationship. With God, I didn't have that. Sure, I, 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 I got baptized when I was a kid. I guess everybody did that. Sure, I walked down an aisle when I was a young man. I don't know what year it was. Sure, I, I'm, sure I, I'm sure I did. I don't remember. I'm sure I repeated some repeat after me creed or 
some kind of prayer. I'm sure I did that. But I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't have a relationship with Christ. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't have a relationship with God. I sit there that day and just thinking about my relationship with my wife and God was bringing this thing together. I started reading verses like Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he'd be a new creature. I wasn't a new creature. I was 37 years old and still struggling with things I'd struggled with most of my life. I wasn't a new creature. I heard, I read in John 3, 3, but if, if man, unless a man is born again, he can never even see the kingdom of heaven. I'd never been born again. I was still struggling with the same things I'd always struggle with. If you'd asked me, I'm, I'm, I would have. I would have told you I was, yeah, I, I've done that. I've got my vaccine shot. I've, I, I, I'm a Christian. I had, had it on my dog tags in the Marine Corps Baptist right there. Had a Bible verse tattooed on me. But a, but a relationship with Jesus Christ I didn't have. And God started speaking to me then. God started speaking to me, that inner man. He, he started speaking to me about this, this thing being born again, this relationship with Christ, this, this new creature. That the, the old things are passed away, and behold, all things are made new. And I started looking at those things, and, 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 and I'd like to say that day, that day I realized this thing that God was talking about in His Word, this thing that Paul kept talking about in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he'd be a new creature. I started reading about those things. I, I'd like to say that day that I gave my life to God, but I didn't. I didn't. What I quit doing that day, and I didn't tell nobody but myself, but I quit calling myself a Christian that day. I said, no, because I ain't got no relationship with you, God, and I'm not going to play games anymore with you. And so I stayed in that state affair day in and day out. And you may say, Scott, why did you do that for? Why did you do that? Well, if you realized that you were lost, why in the world didn't you ask God to come into your life, forgive you? Because I knew at the very, I didn't know much about the Bible, but I knew God was calling me to a relationship, and I knew a relationship is costly. I knew before I entered into a relationship with my wife, that my things were her things and her things and my things, and I was going to forsake everybody else, and she was going to be mine, and she needed all my attention. And I knew God was asking for the same thing in my life. I knew that. I knew that much. I didn't know much, but I knew that much. That's what God was asking for. And God used a lot of different people in different ways. And some of you, a lot of you sitting here, used Randy Snyder in a special way. Uh, to change my life, and he used a lot of people. Uh, a relationship is costly, and I knew that. I knew that this thing called Christianity was going to cost me something. And I sit there for day in and day out, and I thought about these things, and, and, and these things became reality for me. And, and, and I always like to give the analogy. I, I give the analogy a lot, but to, to, to my to my brothers behind bars, and, and I say, if, 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 if the Bible says that no one can serve two masters, y'all heard that one. He's going to love one and hate the other one. He's going to despise one and be devoted to one. I tell him, if there's two ropes hanging down from the sky, we want to hold on to both of them right. You know, if God be real, then we sure want to go to heaven, but we sure like all the things of the world. Man can't serve both God and money. We want both things. We want to hold on to both ropes. But you're not, you're not fooling nobody, see. You can't hold on to both ropes. And God kept telling you, you're not going to hold on to both ropes. You're just fooling yourself if you think you are. Because you're just holding on to one. And that's what I was doing. I was trying to hold on to both ropes for so many years. I, I had I had friends that, that that were that were non-believers, atheists. They would call themselves. 
agnostics. And they would look at me years ago and, and the military said, Scott, ain't you supposed to be a Christian? You worse than we are, bro. But it was the truth. You say, I appreciate honesty. We need truth in our life, right? We need somebody to be truthful with. We want truth from everybody. We, if you go to the doctor, you want someone to be truthful with you. If you, want, if you go to your spouse, you want them to be truthful for you. If you go to your best friend, your kids, you want everybody to be truthful with you. But some reason, when it comes to this right here, we don't want anybody to be truthful with us. We just want to believe what we believe, no matter what we believe. We need truth. And God's Spirit started speaking truth to me. And I stayed in that state of affairs for a long time. And, 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 and I thought about this thing. I said, I, and what kept me, because I knew God, I knew it. The Holy Spirit was telling me. God's Word was telling me. This thing's going to be costly. And I started thinking about my job. And God started, the devil started, he, he started playing. You're not going to be able to give up that job. You've always worked. That's all you know. That's all you know. That money that you got your hands on, you're not going to be able to give it up. And he was right. I just, I said, I, 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 I was bouncing back. I was, I'd get up in the morning and just, just pace the floors downstairs. I, I would do those things because I knew it was going to be costly. I knew it was. Not that we work for salvation by no means, but I knew that God was going to pull me away from these things that I'd always depended on for so many years for my sources of peace. I knew that he was, I knew it. I knew it. So I weighed the cost. I weighed the cost. Just like the man in the book of Luke chapter 15 who said that, that Jesus said that no man going to build this, this tower, this temple is not going to first sit down and count the cost. He's got to sit down and count the cost. So I sit down for six months and begging God. I said, God, I need you. I can't, I don't, I can't do it. I, I've never been able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. And I counted the cost in my own life. And it takes time. It took time for me. People ask all the time, Scott, what day did you give? I said it was a season of grace in my life. Well, God opened up some things. I look back now and it's a season. Well, God opened, opened the floodgates of heaven and pouring down this, this, this relentless grace in my life and just pulling me in. Yes, it cost me a lot. And yes, it was a lot of days and, and mornings where I just cried and get up and go to work. And, 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 and nobody, I, I kept these things hid, I guess, is the best way to look at it many times. But, but, Finally, finally one morning, tired of running, tired of kick, kicking against the pricks, I let go. In, in, uh, in, 2000, in 1993, I, I went uh, down to Melps, down in Montgomery, and I, I raised my hand, and I swore allegiance to this country, and I said I'd defend against enemies foreign and domestic. And I would give my life if it was asked for this country, in December of 2013, six ago, years ago, this month, just December, I, I got down on my knees. I didn't cry. Raised my hands to the sky. And I said, God, forgive me. God, accept me and God, use me in whatever way you want. And God changed me that morning. I'm telling you, I was changed that morning. I gave my life to God, and I quit playing games. I got serious with God. I got serious with God's Word. I got serious with God's work. I got serious with God that morning. I got serious. Religion is the most dangerous thing that you can ever come in contact with. I tell people, oh, we think it's dangerous living overseas. I tell them, no, it's far more dangerous here. Because there are so many people that think they, they're saved and they don't have more, no more than religion. They have no relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, it's deadly. And I get 
fired up about it. It's deadly. Deadly. It's a deadly thing. I'm talking about eternity. It's a deadly thing to have something up here but not have it. I mean deadly. It may not be but 18 inches, but I'm telling you it's eternity. I beg God. I mean that. I beg God. I didn't ask him. I got on my knees, begged him, begged him, and begged him over every chair. I said, God, if there be a soul, God, into the night, God, if there be a soul that comes to that place, as soon as the pastor asked me to give my testimony 11 days ago, I said, if there be one soul in there, God, I pray, God, I pray that you would convict them, God. I pray. That's where it starts. It ain't me, but that's where it starts. That's where it started me. It was a deep conviction within that something is not right. God started using that conviction. That said, the first thing that comes upon you, according to Scripture, when the Holy Ghost gets his message with you, is a conviction. It's a reproof. It says, and it comes upon you. And I beg you, if God's dealing with you, I, I utterly, I don't, I tell men all the time, I don't give invitations. Your life's an invitation to come to God. Don't sit there if God's dealing with you. Please, I beg you, I absolutely, I can't say it enough, find a preacher. We got several of them here. Walk up front, stop me. I've had men in the middle of the message say, Stop, I want to be saved. Don't play games with God. Don't don't be me. Don't wait thirty seven years playing this thing called religion. Take God's word and see what it says. It don't matter what some preacher says or something about you. Hey, my grandmother thinks I'm the greatest thing, I'm sure, since since bottled milk. She loves me. And I'm sure your grandmother would say the same about you. I'm sure your mother would say, no, you're good. But if God's convicting you, if God's speaking to you, I don't matter what somebody else says. I don't care. On my day of judgment, my pastor's not going to be there. It's going to be me and God, you see. It don't matter what my mama says, my, grand, my guinea says. It don't matter what my mama says. It don't matter what my best friends say. It matters what God says. And you ought to have a biblical testimony. Your life, and I didn't have that. Why do you share that? So, because I find so many men, I find so many Scott Stevens in this world. I find so many men say, "That was me, Scott. That was me." I cried out to God that morning, and He quickened me to life. It says in Ephesians, in the second chapter, "You have He quickened. He's made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin." In 2013, December, God quickened this dead man to life, and this man came out of that grave, and this man had an awareness of God like I'd never had. People said, "How did you know? How did you know, Scott, that you were saved?" I said, "I had awareness of God like I'd never felt in my life. I had an absolute awareness of God." That's the only thing I could tell you. I knew wherever I was, I was out there washing the trucks, work trucks. And, and man, I just, God was there with me. I just had that awareness of God in my life. I didn't have scriptures. There are scriptures in here I'm going to share, but I didn't know. But I just knew God was right there with me. I knew God was right there beside me. And those things that I used to do, I couldn't do no more without such a conviction. I just said, I can't do it no more. God is too strong. When I started looking at this, 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 Prior to conversion in my life, there was no there was no awareness of God in my life whatsoever. There was not that awareness of God, and, and, and I got reading scriptures and and, and and but I read a lot all over the Bible. But you know, if you see a New Testament theology or teaching in the Bible, there's usually a great Old Testament uh, illustration of that of that teaching, and, and, and that was mine. Uh, uh, I think. 
Jesus was in Caesarea, in Philippi, and, and, and he asked around in great crowds. He, he asked the, the apostles here. He said, who do people say that I am? Y'all remember, I know y'all remember this, and I'm going somewhere with this. It's about the awareness of God, about how God quickens a man to life. And, and, and I tell people all the time, you know, about how, 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 these, how the divine and the human works. It's like a steeple, you know, it goes into clouds. I don't know exactly how conversion works, but God's got to draw and God's got to call. And this man calls out to God with this, with this faith meets God's divine work. It's, it's like a two-sided roof that goes up with two mighty rivers that flow. I don't know exactly where they reach, but they do. Conversion is a miracle, an absolute miracle. It's a bigger miracle when a man's converted. A man that, a God would take a man like me and convert the man is absolutely positively a miracle a miracle it is a miracle and it was a miracle to me but 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 god started speaking to me but jesus they asked asked his apostles he said he said who do people say i am and uh, some of them said i believe elijah and some said well maybe jeremiah i believe it said and some said one of the prophets and he said but who do you say i am and that was God speaking to me. It didn't matter what everybody else said about God. God was speaking to me that, that, those months. But, Scott, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And I'd scream out talking to myself, yes, God. I say that all the time. You're around me. My wife says, who are you talking to a lot of times? I said, I don't know. I just, yes, God. I just, yes, God. Yes, God. Because he's, he's speaking to me. I just say, yes, God. Whatever you want. Yes. Yes is the answer. Yes is the answer, God. But, 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 but we know that, that, that uh, Peter was sitting there, Simon Peter. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus, we all know the story. He said, Blessed are thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. He said that God spoke to you, Philip. God spoke to me on that floor. God made me aware of some things. God spoke to me on that life. I think it's in Genesis in the 28th chapter where, where, where Jacob, Abraham's grandson, Isaac's son, Jacob, uh, if you guys probably know more about the Bible than I do, but 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 Jacob had just swindled his brother again out of his blessings, him and his mother, and they they, they took these goats and they killed them, and they because he saw Jacob's brother was a hairy man, and 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 y'all you guys I guess know the story, and they take these things on, and Jacob Isaac couldn't see good, and my story in that uh, uh, they swindled him, and and Esau came home and he was mad, and 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 so they had to send Jacob away because they said your brother's gonna kill you, so they sent him away uh, to Mesopotamia. And on the way, I, 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 I love that Bible story, but it spoke to me like it never spoke not long ago. And I said, I'll incorporate that. But about the awareness of God, Jesus said that, 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 that God has revealed the Father to you. But on that road that, 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 that Jacob left that day that he stopped in a place called Luz, if I'm pronouncing that L-U-Z, he came to a place called Luz. And I call that that Luz the Bethel moment in my life. And if you're a child of God, you've had this lust to build in your life. And it's, it's, I think it's in Genesis 28 chapter. But he, he came and he said he was heading to Mesopotamia, uh, uh, back to his father and grandfather's land. And, and, and he stopped there that night and lust and, and took her stone and laid down on the stone to take a nap. And he had this vision from heaven, this ladder that was going to heaven and 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 angels were ascending and descending on the thing, and God stood over it and started speaking, speaking, speaking to, to, to directly to Jacob. And Jacob woke up out of the middle. Uh, he said he was in a dreadful place. He was the head of the reverence of God. He was aware of something. And he said, surely God was in this place, and I knew it not. Meaning that God was in that place prior to him getting there. He just didn't know it. 
that God's got to manifest it. God's here tonight, you see. But God's got to manifest himself to you personally. And when he does, oh my goodness, that's a good moment. God's got to personally manifest. That day he said, he called it Bethel. He said this place was called Luz. It's called Bethel now, the house of God. He said, surely God was in this place. I just didn't know it. And he took that same rock and he made this altar and he pulled oil on it. You know the stories right there. It's a great story. But that was that lust to Bethel moment in my life when I was aware of this almighty God. And I asked God for months and months, God, show me who you are. Show me, God. Show me. Prior to conversion, just show me, God. And God showed me. Every day he shows me just how strong he is. Every day I hear testimony how strong God is. On that December, that 13th, it was that moment in my life. There was awareness of the presence of God in my life. And it's the most powerful thing in the world to walk with God. There's nothing like walking with God. There's nothing like having peace in your life that I had not had for 37 years of my life. That I finally had peace with this God. And all the things I'd struggled with for so many years, God helped me and took those things away. And I praise God for it. And I praise God for it with my life. I said, God, I'm yours and you're mine. And I've entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I'm begging as I've begged before. And I'm going to keep on. If God is doing something inside of you, and God's speaking to you. It's not me. It's God. I can't do anything. I just have words. It's that Spirit of God doing something inside of you. Please, I beg you. As Paul begged the Corinthians to examine yourself, to test yourself, to see whether you're in the faith. I've met so many Scott Stevens in the short time I've done ministry. I've shared my testimony over and over and over again. I've met so many young men and old men alike that said, I was like you. I did something. If you got to point back to back then and you can't point to right now, you probably didn't do nothing back then. If you always got to point back to the moment when you got saved, like it was some something you did a long time ago and you can't point your life, something ain't right. Something ain't right. I'm telling you, something ain't right. I'm begging you. I don't care. I'll beg. I'll, I'll bear my soul for you if you would just ask yourself that question, am I right before God? Am I right before God? And that's what I asked, man. What changed my desires? Scott, what changed your speech? Scott, what pulled those, those things out of your life that you'd struggle for? Day? What did that, God, Scott? What did that? What did that in your life? What changed the way you look at life? What changed your purposes in life? What changed you from heading all this direction and said, hey, I'm going to build this fortune up and I'm going to do these things and I'm going to work hard and I'm going to do these things to change your life? Well, I just want to serve God. That's all I want. I just want to serve God. That's all I want to do. I want to be a great father. I want to be a great husband. I want to serve this living God. That's all I want to do. I want to serve God with my... What changed that? And I read, I read in Isaiah, and it brings tears to my eyes every time I, 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 I wrote it down, because sometimes I, just, I wanted you to read it. What changed my life is this right here. Isaiah says in Isaiah 60, verses, uh, I think it's 1 and 2, but it says, Arise, shine, 
for the light is, is come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Praise God. He says, for behold, he says, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and the thick darkness shall, shall cover over the people. But the Lord shall rise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. I, I, I tell often, and, and the pastor hinted it this morning, he said the same thing. I, I was a lost man, and I didn't even realize it. I was a walking dead man. I didn't even realize I was lost. You see, I'd got a vaccine shot when I was a young man. I don't know how old I was when I walked down that aisle at Coca Baptist Church and got wet. I didn't. I was a walking dead man. I thought I had a relationship with God, but I didn't. I based it on something I did when I was a kid, and God had no impact on my life whatsoever. Besides coming to a church, you know, coming to a men's group and stuff like that, just going through the motions. In 2013, that day star dawned in my heart. That day star rose in my heart. And this all-powerful God gave life to me. He gave me a new life. He gave me a new future. I'm going to close with just a couple of psalms. Uh, and, and, and I want you to hear these things. I, I, I just, some of my favorite psalms is Psalm 63, where David is in this, he's in the, he's in, he's in this, uh, he's in the desert, one of the desert psalms, they call it in Judea, wilderness psalms, they call it. It says, God, oh God, thou art my God. David said, early will I seek thee. He said something there, and I say, yes. He says, my soul thirsted for thee, and my flesh longeth for thee. In this dry and thirsty land where no water is in. And, 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 and that psalm's always just resonated in me. That psalm has always resonated in me. That, that we're, you're born, and I was born, and we're born into this life. Just forever me wanteth. I, I like to use that. Forever I need something. I need something. I need something. I need something. That was me. I couldn't get enough of the world. I just couldn't get enough of it. But I didn't understand some things until God opened my eyes and He quickened me to life and my mind came alive. And this reverence for God is beginning of, of wisdom and knowledge of His holy. The Bible says is understanding. Well, I don't understand who God was. And, when, and that's what God says. I don't, I, don't, I don't want your time. I don't want your sacrifices. I want you to know and understand who I am, Scott. And when I started doing that, God started speaking to that inner man. And when I, when I read that, that soul, He said, My soul thirsted for thee. That as children were born, and you have children, some of you may have infants uh, here now, and you cry out. These infants cry out because they want something. They want their mother's attention. They're hungry. They need to be changed. They need to be burped. They need, they need something. And, and you move on. These kids learn to talk, and then they, they kids start hollering because they cry out because they're thirsty for something. They don't get their way, and they throw fits because I need something. I need something. That was me. Always need when you get to your teenage years in life and you find out about this world. And it's like, man, this world has so much to offer. And I'll drink it down like water, the Bible says. We drink iniquity down and we can't get enough of this world. It was never enough for me. I had to have more and more and more. It's never enough. It will never be enough. I tell people all the time, young men, I said, it will never be enough. You make a thousand today, guess what? You're going to make two thousand tomorrow. And you're going to say, next week, I'm going to make ten thousand. If, 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 if money's your God. 
or, 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 or pride your God. You've got to be the most important man in any room. You're never going to be enough. You're going to seek that because it's never enough. Forever the soul wants. The, see, the soul is thirsty. It's absolutely the most thirsty thing in the world. It's always wanting because the soul is most like God, I found out. This soul is eternal, you see. The soul is eternal. And the only thing that can fill that eternal soul is an infinite, something infinite. That's why it's so thirsty. You can't fill it. It's never enough. You've got to put God in it. Until God fills that hole in your life, it's never going to be enough. I promise you it's never enough. I share the story often because it, it, I, 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 heard, I, read a, I like to read articles and I like percentages. I just something I like. But I read where, where Elvis Presley, uh, 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 I think most of us know who he is, the king of rock and roll, six months before he died. And you probably read the story. Some of you guys have heard it. But I read the story one day and I said, man, that to be the truth. Elvis Presley said six months before he died, he said, I'm more miserable right now than I've ever been in my life. The man had the whole world, had everything that one fleshly man could possibly desire. And he said, I'm more miserable than I've ever been in my entire life. That soul is thirsty, you see. And Elvis had to find out like I had to find out. It ain't never going to be enough. It ain't gonna, hey, that barn ain't going to never be old enough. As soon as you get over that barn, you're going to build another barn. It ain't never enough. And God had to teach me that. That soul's thirsty. It ain't ever going to be enough. I think his name's Jeff Bezio, the, the richest man in the planet right now. And he done an interview. I share this often. He done an interview, 100-something billion, I think he was. And he done an interview with him. And just a woman asked a common question, and he gave a common answer. 100-something billion dollars. He said, he said, she said, how much will be enough? Jeff, he said, just a little bit more. That soul's thirsty, I'm telling you. When David said, hey, my soul's thirsty, now he was getting his fed from God. That soul is thirsty, you see. It ain't ever enough. And I knew that. I knew that. Do you know that? Have you come to that point in your life and I, 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 that you've made that determination? It ain't ever going to be enough. I, I, I tell men all the time, I'm going to pray. If you're not going to give God, and they said, I'm just not ready, I'm going to pray God makes you more. I'm going to pray that he makes you miserable. I'm going to pray that you finally come to the conclusion it's never going to be enough. And you start seeking after God. Only then will you seek after God. Because it took that for me, you see. I was very hard-headed. I was very strong-willed. And I used to say all the time, I'm a self-made man. I read books, Think and Grow Rich. I read these books and I invested this time. And I thought I had done so much. And I couldn't even, I couldn't even give myself peace. I had to go home each night and find some kind of substance to, to do just so I could go to bed. Because of so much anxiety inside of me, I couldn't find rest and peace. And I tell that, you say, why do you, I, I bear my soul for you today. I, 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 wanna, I want you to examine yourself if you don't know God. If you are a child of God, I'm going to close in a psalm that, I, that, that I, I live for, I try to live for every day. Because I know we can do more for God. I know we can do more for God. I know you're capable of doing more for God if you're in a relationship with Him. I know you can. I know you're able to do it if you're a child of God because that same Spirit that's in me is in you. And I'm nothing. I'm least than any man. I'm a dreadful man sometimes. I think what I've done and, and, and I just cry out to God. I say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. 
To save a man after 30... I mean, I hear a lot of young people get saved, but save me after 37 years, and I had had so much to drink of the world. God, thank you. Thank you so much for saving me. Are you sitting here tonight, and I'm asking you a personal question, and maybe you don't want to give me an answer now. Maybe you need to go back home and think about it. But have you found peace with God in your life? Have you honestly found peace with God in your life? Does God satisfy your life? If you take God minus everything else and nothing else you had but just God, would he be enough? Because we, we, we treat, and I've treated God for so many years like he was some cherry I put on top of some ice cream. I got my perfect life, and I'll just put God right there on top. And then I'll be good. But either he's Lord or he's nothing. That's why he said you need to go home and and test it, examine it. We must die. That's what he said. We must die to self. And that's what's so hard for us to do. People ask, it's not that hard. People say, is that easy, Scott? If I commit my life to Christ and I believe in the substitutionary atonement for Jesus Christ, that I believe if he came and he died for my sins, if I believe that by faith, I'm changed, man. Is that what you're telling me? People in jail are very bold. I like that. They're very bold. They ask, they holler out at you. They're very bold people. I said, that's what I'm telling you. I said, it's just too easy. I said, no, it's very costly. It costs you because you've got to die. The I must die, and you must die to self. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The I must die every day. I start every day, roll over in the bed. If I get out on my belly, I said, God, that I would die today so I can live for you. It's very costly. Very costly thing to follow God. Not as a works-based salvation is free, but it's going to cost you what you want to do. I'm going to close in a psalm, in Psalm 57, 7. It's a psalm that, that means so much to me, and, and, and maybe you've repeated it. You already know where you've heard it before. But I, I pray that you would you would let this speak. I, I'm glad that we're sitting in chairs. I, I tell people all the time, I'm glad you're sitting in chairs. I, I'm glad that you're all by yourself. Now you may be sitting next to your wife or your children, but for the next just ten minutes, ten minutes. I was going to start off with this. I said, no, it may be too much time. For the next ten minutes, take no comfort from the person to the left or right of you. Take no comfort at all. You sit in that chair and let God speak to that inner person tonight. If God's doing something, it ain't by happenstance. It comes by prayer. I've been praying all week. And people have been praying intercessory prayer for you tonight. That maybe tonight you need to let go and let God. Maybe tonight you need to make that commitment like I did seven years ago. I'm going to pick a copy of God's Word up and I'm going to start reading. Because, Scott, something you're talking about is hitting me right here. And something that men's group started talking about when uh, years ago, and a lot of you in here, it started hitting me right here. That lukewarm Christianity started hitting me right here. And that's what started. That's what God started using. That believe it or burn it, it started, started when I picked a copy of God's Word up. And I pray you sit there right now and let God speak to you. If you've got to close your eyes and not focus on anything but God, please, it's of eternal magnitude what I'm telling you. But Psalm 57, I, I, I love this psalm. Dave's in, he's running from Saul. He, he's, he's in his cave. And, 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 and listen what Dave says. Running for, running for his life, he's in his 
cave. He's fled from Saul. And he said, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. To be fixed it means securely positioned. I'm not looking to the left and I'm not looking to the right. Christian, I'm talking about my, my brothers and sisters. He said, my heart is fixed on you, God. He said, my heart is fixed and I will sing and give praise. Wake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and heart. I myself will wake up early and I will praise. He said, I'm coming out of this cave. And listen to what he says. And I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. And I will sing among the nations for thy mercy and, the, and thy great into the heavens and thy truth into the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let the glory be above all the earth. But first, he had to get his heart fixed. Is your heart fixed? Is my heart fixed? Is it fixed on God? Please sit along by yourself. Is your heart fixed? What's standing in between you and God? What obstacle do you need to get? If there ain't a person in here, including myself, that does not need to get some things out of your life that's hindering you and your relationship with God. Whatever comes between you and God, I don't care how good it may look, it, treat it like an enemy. If it come between you and God, it's got to go. But before he could come out of that, that, that cave, I, did, I, I highlighted the other day. I said, man, that's good. My heart is fixed. And I, I defined it because I defined words fastened, securely put in position, stable, anchored, rooted. When your heart's fixed, you can do so much. If you focus all your effort and energy, you can do so much. I've seen you do it. That's what we have to do for this living God. Fix our heart and soul for God. Grab that sword, that bayonet, and go to war for God. That's what it's called. He needs soldiers. He don't need any more fans. He needs soldiers. I love to worship God. I said this morning, I told somebody, I think it was David Fowler, I said, you know the first word you see, worship in the Bible? I love that like I know something sometimes, you know. We get, I said, it's in, it's in Genesis 22.8. I said, it, we're, 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 Abraham is leading Isaac up to the altar. He's leading to take him. And the first thing he says to his service, he said, me and my son, we're going to go worship God. Worship is more than just singing a few songs. Yes, I love to come together with you in corporate worship. Worship is in at home. When it's just you and God worshiping, you can bow down to I bow down to everything under the sun. You name it, I bow down to it at some point in my life. I bow down to money and all kind of things of this world. But have you fixed your heart and soul on God? Is your heart fixed? Is your heart fixed on God? We heard the other day, 3,200 people groups in this world are unreached means if you wasn't here, a great sermon. You can probably go back on a podcast and listen to it. Thirty-two hundred people group means that less than two percent have been saved. Evangelical Christians in that group in this people group, they're unengaged and they're unengaged. That means nobody is actively sharing the gospel with them. That ought to break your heart. It ought to crush you inside. No, these people are going to die and spend eternity in hell if you believe the Bible and unengaged. And we have all the resources in the world and they need this. Your neighbor needs this. Your kids need this. They need this. They need God. 
We had time I let Bill Taylor come up and sing. He says, people need the Lord. They're unreached and unengaged, meaning they're going to die. And we, we play around games, and we get on my cell phone, and I play all kind of games, and I get into sports, and I get into these things, and people are dying. I believe it. The level you believe is believe the level we live it. Our hearts have to get fixed. You have to be broken for the loss, and you've got to pray like that. You want to pray? Pray that God would break your heart. He would burn your souls. Not to work more so we can acquire more stuff. No, we got too much stuff. That soul forever. That God would break your heart for the lost and dying world. Compassion, compassionates. I watch TV of these dogs and they're dying, and I, I got to turn the channel. Andy Griffith, I can't even watch Andy Griffith because these dogs when they're dying, I can't handle it. I said I got to turn, I can't watch it. I can't even watch it because my heart breaks. But it's just compassion. It does not compassionate. It's just uh, compassion. I, I'm not an English major, and you guys already know that. But I guess that's just a verb. It's just something. But compassionate. Now that's a verb. That does something. When you want to compassionate, then you go do something about it. Then you'll get up off your feet and say, hey, I'm going to go to help them dogs. I'm going to help them. They're dying and going to, I'm going to help them. I'm going to do something. I'm going to give more this week than I gave last week. I, I, Scott, I'm 70 years old. You pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray. We can all do more. We can all do more. When that heart gets fixed, I promise you, you can do more. I promise you, you we can, we're able to do more collectively. We can do more. I beg of you. I'm begging of you right now. If God's dealing with your heart, please, please, please start praying that God will remove these obstacles with your life. If God's dealing with you now and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please, I beg you. Maybe you're me. Maybe you're me. Maybe you're me. Maybe you're 37. Maybe all these years you thought you were right before God. I don't know what's in your heart, but maybe you're me. I, I met a man not long ago up in Missouri, and I'll never forget it. He was he was on the back row there, and he'd been coming to these services. I, I've been going for several years now, and he'd always come out and and, and be faithful to the to to to, to these uh, uh, meetings we had up there. And, and 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 I knew him and got to know his name a little bit. And he came in the last time I was with him, and 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 I walked in, and and, and that night. Uh, a good friend of mine, Brother Frank Trainer, was leading leading service. Just me and him that night, and I had to do the singing. That was good, but I had to do the singing. And I sat back down, and this 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 this, this brother, he just started. I mean, he was just crying and squalling, and and and, and the trainer ain't, ain't ain't shared but two messages. And he looked over me, and he said, "I need to be saved." I mean, he was weeping in tears. He was falling on his knees. I think I believe I don't remember because he pastor just started. It was back in July, I believe it was. And I said, praise God. He'd been praying. He said, I'm praying for you, brother. And James Fowler had sent me that text that morning. And I said, God's working. And this man said, I need to be saved. And I thought the whole time I thought he was. But God started dealing with his heart. And God started dealing with his heart. And he didn't hold back. He didn't wait for some invitation. He said, I need to be saved. Is that you? Do you need to be saved? What are you waiting on? It ain't going to get no easier. That soul's just going to want more and more and more. For my it's thirst, it's never enough. What are you waiting on? I, I, I want you to tell me. Please write it down on a piece of paper so I can pray for it. If there's something hindering your relationship with God, just write it down for me. Text me when I leave and tell me so I can pray that God removes this in your life. 
pray. People ask me, Scott, what specifically can I pray for for you? I said, you pray that God would break me in half for the lost. I mean, absolutely crush my spirit and my soul for the lost. Because until we burned, it would never compassionate. It would never do nothing but sit there and watch those dogs die. And it won't do nothing. You can hear about the lost, and you won't ever do anything. And you'll always find something else more important. I've got to work. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this. No, if your heart's fixed on God, you'll do more for God. I'm telling you, you will. And you can, church. Not talking about church, not rich Chris. I'm talking about church. We can do more. I beg of you tonight, closing, examine yourself. And if something's not right between you and God, I don't care. I was in a service not a couple of years ago at a church, and a woman gave her life to God. I didn't know who she was. The preacher told me the next day, he's a good friend of mine, he said the woman that came forward, she'd been in church for 36 years. Maybe you've been here for longer than I've been alive. Maybe you've been holding on those pews so tight sometimes and God's calling to you and you ain't never cried out to God. What's holding you back? That woman gave her life to God that night. The preacher called me crying. 36 years she'd been sitting there. Took me 37 years. What's holding you back? Eternity's eternity. We spend so much of our time on meaningless stuff. Read this morning where people live an average of 78.6 years. I like percentage. We sleep 25.1 years. We sleep 25.1. We work 10.3 years average. I probably work more of that. We watch TV 9.1 years. We spend on the phone over 2.8 years. Probably spend more than that now. Probably old survey. He said we're in the bathroom over around three years. We spend a year of our life getting dressed. We spend 3.5 years watching sports. It said the average Christian only spends six months. Six months with God. Devotion to God. You tell me. I don't know. These just percentages. Maybe they're wrong. Maybe they're right. A man that claims to be a born-again believer, a child of God, this living God, and we only give God that much of our time because the heart ain't fixed, you see. We spend so much of our time, we don't invest our time. My uncle's here tonight. He's a great, and he's an investor, he, he, and he is. But you don't spend all your money. You won't have any left. You've got to invest it. You've got to invest your time. That's what God tells me all the time. Invest your time, Scott. I only cared about myself for so many years and what I could acquire. But God said, no, you've got to invest your time. You need to invest your time in other people. Invest our time. That's what God needs. You're not getting any more of it. Is your heart fixed tonight? What's holding you back? I know it. I know something in your life. I can't let go of the podium because I know something in your life you're holding back. I know it. I know it. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it inside of me. It's a burden in me. I feel that you're holding something back. What is it that you need to let go? What is it tonight that maybe you need to come forward and get down the altar and just say, Scott, pray for me and you can pray for me or you need to talk to somebody and you need to just let go of it. Whatever it is, I want you to focus on that and pray that God would remove that out of your life so you can get active in serving this living God. What is God convicting you tonight? 
What is God's Spirit speaking to you on tonight? What is it? You need to do radical things for God. You've got to pray radically. I, 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 I close. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I really am. I, I, I'm just an ordinary lay person Christian. But brothers and sisters, if we come together collectively and fix our heart on God and get these things out of the way to stand between us and God, we can do, if God changed the world through 12, what can he do through us collectively? What can he do through us? What can he do? do are you burdened for the lost? Are you burdened for the lost? Are you burdened? Say, Scott, I'm not burdened like I need to be. I I was there. Pray. Pray God would break you tonight. Come up here and pray. Get on this altar and pray. God, break me for the lost. If if, 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 If my child don't know God, pray that it burdens you. I pray God. I begged him. I said, God, please. I want to... Please. If somebody in my own personal family, God, is not saved, God, burden them tonight. If somebody in my... In in this church... Family is not saved. Burden them tonight like you burden me. You burden them, God. I'm begging you. Please, look at your life. Look at the direction of your life. Maybe you need to pick a copy of God's Word. You owe it. It's eternal. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them seeing the light of the glorious gospel. Paul tells us. The God of this world is always going to be dangling stuff in front of you. And he's always going to be blinding you. The most dangerous place you can ever be in, in combat would be to, to, to get up there with an M16 and just be nothing but blanks in there. The most dangerous thing you could do is to think that you're right before this living God. And you get before God and he says, away from me, I never knew you. You worker of our lawlessness. That's the most dangerous place you could be. Do not play games with God. If God's convicting you tonight, please, please, please find, I don't care, the pastor, find somebody next to you, come to the altar, please, please, please quit playing games for religion and turn your life over to this living God. And I promise you, I've met a lot of Christians in my life like myself I've never, that, that, that wish they would have done it sooner. I've never met one that said it was a bad decision. Not one, not yet. Please, I beg of you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm examining each one of you. I beg you, please, please, turn your life to God. If you're not right before God, God's convicting you. I know He is. Please, tonight's your night. We hope this message will help you in your spiritual walk and growth. For more about Ridgecrest, please visit us on the web at www.rbc-tuscaloosa.com. Have a great day, and God bless.